When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day legends and welcome to Sonic Down Under Pot Noodle. I'm your host Jared and joining me tonight are Willie and Liam. How are you Willie? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. Um, just enjoying sort of watching football again and getting back to the normality of getting up at silly o'clock to watch a game of football. So yeah. And how's things in Japan Liam? Looks like Liam's frozen up. Your sound's not working, Liam. Um, yeah. So we'll uh, we'll crack on anyway. So, well, Liam tries to fix that. So um, yeah. So everyone, thanks for tuning in to the Solid Down Under podcast. Appreciate all your support. We've got um, our shows every week. We go live on a Monday night and on a Thursday night. So we've got the old, uh, the pot nerd on a Monday and we've got the Thursday sesh same time on a Thursday. So we'll uh, basically talk, cover the news that happens between now and Thursday, preview the weekend's game. Tonight we'll just uh, rehash, rehash a little bit on the weekend's game and talk about a few other topics. So, um, yeah, we, we appreciate everyone tuning in. If you can, in the comments, let us know your thoughts on the game and chuck them all in there and we'll, um, we'll bring some comments up later on in the podcast. But before we get into it, Willie, we'll um, just want everyone, if you're listening and you haven't already subscribed to the Salt Down Under podcast in your preferred podcast app, subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, hit subscribe, hit the notification bell. So when we go live, you get the notification. And yeah, we're just trying to grow the both the channel on both of those platforms. So we appreciate that. So Celtic 3, Aberdeen 1. Willie, what was your thoughts for the game when you saw the starting lineup? Yeah, I was a little surprised not to see Hitati come back in. I thought Turnbull did well last weekend, but I kind of thought it might have been just a little one-off game for him. I thought Aberdeen would have been a more suited game for Hatati, but um, he went with the same 11 that served him the week before, so you can't really complain. To be honest, it was just more a personal thing. I thought Hatati would come back in there. But, um, yeah, it was a good game. We showed sort of through the game that when the chips are down, we can play dirty as well as play football. So um, 
we were play, we it was a good old fashioned slobber knocker, as JR used to say on the wrestling night. So I, I actually really enjoyed the game night, you know. What I mean, even though we weren't in the midfield, we weren't looking too cohesive at all. I think um Turnbull showed that he wasn't he wasn't in it at all at this game. I think the only thing I seen him do of noteworthy was get booked and then hooked at half time. So but um yeah, it just, it's good to see that when other teams are coming to go toe-to-toe with us, we have that fight to go toe-to-toe back with them, mate. So, like I say, I enjoyed the game. Yeah, for me, when I was looking at it, Willie, it was like I had the same question for you. What was the midfield going to be? Was Turnbull going to keep his spot? Was O'Reilly going to keep his spot? And or was Hattare going to come in? So I think that was the only real question mark going in. The back line picks itself. The front three picks itself. We don't really have another keeper there in Joe Hart's the only option for us. So, yeah, it was all going to come down. Would Hatade come back in? So you can't really fault Rogers for sticking with a team that got the job done the, the week prior. So, um, yeah, it was uh, nothing too out of the ordinary there. But throw to you, Liam, for your thoughts when you saw the uh, lineup come out and your thoughts overall on the game. And Liam, yeah, nah, it's not happening, Liam. There's no sounds not coming through. So, my overall thoughts on the game, Willie, like what you were saying, was that, um, yeah, just I thought the the thing was we all knew it was going to be a physical game up at Aberdeen, and it doesn't surprise me at the end of the day that they tried that. It was good to actually see him go out there and try and play some football, though. It wasn't as a turgid a game as when you had Derek McInnes running the show and it was just, you know, like rugby players with a football in the middle of the field trying to take us out. So it was, um, for me, I look at it and go, the frustrating parts were, you know, every time a foul went against us, they were holding the collar or bumping the ball away or whatever, which was pretty stock standard for an Aberdeen team. But overall wasn't anything too unexpected. I think Barry Robson coaches that team pretty well. And, um, yeah, they're going to – if they play the way they did against us on the weekend, against um, against the Huns in particular, then, yeah, there's going to be some – it's going to be a tough ask for any team going up to Pataudry this season. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I kind of think um, I think this team Aberdeen will give Rangers a good run for the money when they go up there. Like so, it'd be interesting to see they always raise their game when when Rangers do go to town. So it'd be interesting to see what this team can do against them, like because they're certainly a physical outfit. Like they they didn't shy away from the tackles. They were like I said earlier, they prepared to go toe to toe with us, and we went toe to toe back with them. It, they, it was it was a really good match to watch. Actually, the neutrals anyone who's a neutral tuning in that game would have thoroughly enjoyed it. Like. I just think in the midfield, we're still trying to find that right balance to play the way Brendan Rodgers wants us to play and give it a few more games and we'll we'll eventually start getting it right. Yeah, that's what I reckon as well, Willie. Like, realistically, a weakest spot in the team at the moment is the, the part of the team I thought would be our strongest, which is our midfield. Like, across the back line, we're a bit stretched with numbers and people out injured and, and whatnot and players leaving and so on. But, and up forward, we've, we've, you know, we lost Jota, but we've still got a good quality strike force and a bunch of wingers there. So I thought midfield would be our biggest strength, but 
players like Kelmack is completely at all, in all sorts at the moment. And then on top of that, you've got Hatade's, you know, it doesn't seem to be suiting them and what, the way he wants them to play. So, and then it's good to see Turnbull out there doing a bit of work, but then even he didn't look too at it on the weekend. So, yeah, it's, um, I think O'Reilly other, is pretty much our best midfielder at the moment, and he was, in my eyes, he was our, he was the best player we had on the weekend. Yeah, I've got yeah. I've got O'Reilly down as a man of the match as well. He was at the heart of everything. Like it just seemed to be everything was going through him. He was fighting for every ball. I, I really enjoyed his performance. It, it seems to that that Brendan Rodgers is playing a style of football that he's really up for the challenge of taking on. Like so, and it's good to see. I also like the look at um, home when he came on. Thiago, I thought he did really really well when he came on. Like and then Hatati as well for his little cameo role. I thought. Um, Callum McGregor's performance sort of picked up a little bit once Hatati came onto the pitch and Turnbull was off. Like, I kind of, I just kind of think the game passed Turnbull by quite a bit, actually. Like. That's the problem I see, Willie. Like, I think Turnbull in the midfield, yeah, he's a great player. As Mahesh says in the comment, in the comments, every every time we talk about him, he's these exercise instead of all our midfielders and all that sort of stuff. But for me, I look at it and go, our best midfield tends to. O'Reilly, Hatade, and McGregor together because they just work well and play well, and one strength covers the other's weaknesses and so on. So, yeah, overall, though, I'd like to see Home start to get a few more minutes. Like, I think he'll be knocking on the door, wanting to get a start and berth pretty soon if current players keep the form that they've got. But what we'll do before we get into the, um, oh, we'll, yeah, we'll talk about the goals scored. Overall, William conceded, and then we'll jump into some comments. So, do you want to give us your thoughts on all the goals? Yeah, well, the first goal was the, the, the cross into the box. Dyson Mieda gets above everybody, one of the shortest men on the pitch, gets above everyone, knocks it down, and Abada's just there with a little tapping. And the referee and the linesman both sort of had the view that it was offside, but VAR sort of cleared that one up quite quickly. He was clearly onside. Um, I think Miofsky's goal, there's a long clearance out from their keeper and found Duke, who who kind of, he beats CCV, which isn't isn't something that happens very, very often. Like, but he managed to cut the ball back to um, Miofsky, who was found just, he got inside of Narowski. But I, I, I thought Narowski was at fault for the goal, but then watching it back, I look at Greg Taylor. Greg Taylor tries to step off Miofsky whilst Duke is making his run to the near post and he just lets him go, and I think Narowski was was making a run in to try and help Joe Hart out. Should a second ball fall, he'd be able to clear it. And I don't think he gets the shout to say, "Look, there's a man on there." Like so, um, Kyogo and our second goal, just playing that offside, that offside rule perfectly, where he can just sort of linger his way in there and, and dawdle his way back. And the boy Devon puts in a slack header back the way, and Kyogo's just there. And does what Kyogo does best and puts the ball in the back of the net. Um, our third was the, the goal from O'Reilly. It was great work from Yang inside the box. Get the determination to get to the byline and cut it back. And O'Reilly's just there to side footed straight into the net. Great, great all round. Um, some great goals there to see. And um, yeah, good. All round happy with the way we're finishing. But like I say, this just seems to be that lack of cohesion in the middle of the pitch. We're getting there. We're so getting we there. So get we will there, get there. Like, yeah. So, just something you touched on there, Willie. Like, you've pretty much covered everything I would have said about the goals as well. So, I'm not going to, you know, 
carry on too much about him in terms of, you know, the on the the offside, you know, which wasn't. It was good to see VAR actually do its job for us for once. Um, but the key thing, the two things I wanted to touch on were you touched on it with their goal. You've got to track the runner. And the Roski was trying to get back to get in a position so Hart can cover one side and then he can cover – Naroski can cover the back side of the goal or whatever, the other side to where Hart was. So he can cover him, as you said, trying to help him out, which was spot on. So I think it was Greg Taylor not tracking the runner was more at fault for that goal than Naroski was. But at the end of the day, what's at their second game playing alongside each other, they've got to start – they've got to build that relationship and when the call comes and – the question is, if Taylor's sprinting full pelt and he's yelling with how loud that crowd was at Aberdeen as well at the weekend, and then you've got, um, what's it called, Naroski coming in trying to understand Taylor screaming over the top of a bunch of Aberdeen fans, it's going to be hard for him to understand it. He's probably still trying to figure out what the lingo means. So it's, um, I'm not making excuses for him, but I think that might have been a factor. And then talking about um, O'Reilly's goal at the end, I was just looking at the uh, YouTube channel before we jumped on, Celtic's one, and there was an interview with O'Reilly post-match, and he was saying that last season he was getting more forward into the box, and then now he's more holding back and he's able to time his runs when he wants to go and he's coming onto it. That goal that he scored was a was a pivotal moment, like six minutes to go, something I think it was six or seven minutes to go, and their crowd was starting to get up and about. But it was the way he ran onto it and just ghosted in and just bang. I just put it in from just around the penalty spot area. It's a very rugged chest goal, especially against Aberdeen, because that's where Tommy always used to pop up in that situation in those sort of games. So that's what that sort of goal reminded me of. Yeah, like you say, it was perfectly timed too. Aberdeen was sort of had the wind in their sails at that point, and they they seem to be the team that was pushing the hardest. Like, I mean, I know we've all had our faults with Joe Hart over the last few weeks, and we're saying we need a new keeper. But I thought Joe Hart played pretty well there to, on 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 Saturday, eh, Sunday. Sorry, it, it seems to be a big difference in him when he's able to get out there and sort of clear his lines too, like without um, having to try and play tick attack of football at the back. Like, so I think. Um, yeah, to just sort of circle back to to O'Reilly, like you say, it was perfectly timed. It like because Aberdeen did have the wind in their sails and it just knocked the stuffing out of them, and that was them. They were floored from that point on, and there's only ever going to be one winner from there. Just got a uh, a comment on our um, Twitter our Twitter account or X as it's known now from Tanaka Khan saying it's a little novelty to be actually watching us live for once instead of getting us on audio. So. Shout out to you, Tanaka. And yes, your comment about um, Shinny's invisibility cloak was your highlight of the game. 100%. Love it. We'll bring up some of the uh, comments now, Willie, before we crack on to the Cardavica's injury that, we're, that we've got to talk about. So Andrew Galea was good win, tough game. And then Andrew also mentioned that the midfield isn't working, letting the opposition dominate for periods of the game. If that keeps happening, it's going to be messy in Europe. And I'm not talking about Lino. I'm saying it's not going to be fun. Mickey Moynihan, morning boys, a well-fought game. 
and we showed resilience and adaption to take control of the game at key points with BR changes being influential. RL77, Turnbull weakens the team when we don't have the ball. I don't think him and O'Reilly work well together on that when, when we're on the defensive side of it in the middle of the park. Michael Ross, we won 3-1 at a tough venue with a new system, new players. Perhaps we need to calm down, but I understand the fear with Europe looming large on the horizon. Then we'll keep scrolling through here. So Andrew Galez, the role of the forward midfielder seems to change depending on who's playing it. Yep. RL77 is for Leams in a galaxy far, far away. Yep, he's, uh, we're having some technical difficulties again. Bloody thing that we used for it. It's messed us around last week as well. Michael Ross, I'm a Turnbull fan. He has his uses, but he was poor yesterday. Uh, let's bring up this one here from James Livingston. Kelmack tried to do too much yesterday. He's been drawn into roles he shouldn't have been, and this led to him being a bit too frantic rather than his usual midfield fulcrum. Andrew is saying that the forward midfielder is too far away. Uh, what do you got, Michael Ross? So I watched the game with a few Dons fans, and they did not share Robson's view that they went toe-to-toe. -to -toe. We all see a game differently. Yeah, I thought they were, I thought they were decent for large parts of the game. What was your thoughts, Willie? Yeah, I, I was quite surprised by Aberdeen. I mean, we we we've got a really good record over Aberdeen, and a lot of Rangers fans say that them um, Aberdeen and Celtic, well, Aberdeen just roll over and get their belly rubbed by Celtic, but they certainly didn't do that this at the, the weekend. Like they were certainly were there to show that they were willing to play the game of football against us. Like, and the guy um, was his name Devlin. He should have been booked several times over, but. For some reason, Kevin Clancy just let him, let him off it the whole time. But as I've said earlier, I thought it was a great game of football to watch. Like two teams who just really wanted to go at it and had a right proper ding dong. Like, yep. Have to agree with you on that, Willie. Robert Gibson. That game was about as easy to digest as a raw turnip. I'll take your word for it, Robert. <laughs> Not that I'd try that. Michael Ross. Odin looks good. The fact that he hardly misplaced the pass has impressed me. Uh, Patrick McLaughlin, I'd start Kelmack O'Reilly home in the midfield versus Killy. I wouldn't have any complaints with that at all. I think I touched on that earlier where I said that I think it's not long till home will be challenging for a starting spot. Uh, what do we got here? Michael Ross is a like to see Awada get him in midfield. I don't think that'll happen until we get a few more bodies in and we can push him from defence into the midfield. His coverage there. But, yeah, I think we're just going through here. What do we got here? Peter Stevenson, McGregor's playing rubbish. Anybody else would have been dropped. Stop talking rubbish because McGregor isn't playing well. He's weak and isn't winning his battles and didn't tackle, save his life, drop McGregor. I don't know who's talking rubbish. Actually, both said he's not he's not informed. So I don't know what what you're talking about there. Please clarify that for us. And um, yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll bring up um, onto our next topic here, which is about CCV's injury. So we've got um, Patrick McLaughlin. Maybe we should have given CCV the extra week or two to recovery to begin with. 
him coming back was from his knee injury, I think it was, and he's done his hamstrings. So Rogers was saying after the game that he brought him off as a precaution because slightly twings. So that being the case, um, hamstrings are a funny one. They can either be just a slight strain or you get in early and you're out seven to ten days or it can be a bad one you're out for six to eight weeks. So what's your thoughts on what's happened there, Willie? It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, we definitely don't want to be losing um, CCV for any length of time. He is a pivotal part of the way Celtic play. He is an awesome defender and probably one of our top players. Like, And as you say, seven to ten days is going to be the minimum he's out for. Our, our fixture next week is Kilmarnock away, so that'll be on the plastic pitch. So I can't see him featuring in that in any way, shape or form if he's got any sort of doubts about his knee or his armstring. So... Um, I think next week we'll probably see Welsh and Narotsky as well. So... Um, it's concerning. It definitely is concerning because, as you said, the worst the worst case scenario is six to eight weeks out, and that's a long time for CCV to be missing, like, especially with games coming up in Europe and um, one State Mountain as well. Yeah, so for me, I think it's vitally important that we get him fit, but I don't want to rush him back. So, yeah, as Willie's saying, we're playing, you know, away at Achille on the weekend. So... Yeah, he'd definitely be out for that. And then it's at the one over at Ibrox, isn't it? So if you could get him fit and back for that, great. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting one to see what happens over the next week or two because, well, you've got Carter Vickers is out. So I want to know, Willie, how you thought in the second half the centre-back pairing of Welsh and Narosky went. I was um, pleasantly surprised with Narosky. He's very, very comfortable on the ball. And his possession, his passing as well, is, is, it's to the man. It's to the, straight to the guy's feet. There's no messing around with it. Um, he certainly looks comfortable in there. Uh, I didn't think Welsh did too badly either, to be honest with you. For a guy who's been out in the cold for so long to come in the way he has, he played pretty well for the 45 minutes in a very physically demanding encounter. Right? So um, I wouldn't have any qualms about the two of them going back in as our pairing for um, the game against Kilmarnock next week because on the showing in the second half I was yeah I would say I was pleased enough with it the funny thing is like last season I learnt that Welsh is actually like 6 foot 1 or something like that he's a lot taller than he actually looked out there so every time I picture him I'm like oh he's short because I'd, I'd think back and he had Julian next to him or Chris Iyer next to him who were like 6'6 six, six and 6'5 six, so it's like oh he's short but then you look at it and you go, Carter Vickers comes in. Carter Vickers is six foot, so he's taller than him. So it's like my the reason I'm bringing that up is because I'd be happy with Welsh being an option in the league. I don't have a problem with it. Rogers after the game has said he wants to keep him around for the season and that sort of stuff, and he wants to stay at the club. So that's good. He could potentially be a four-string centre back, but I don't. But I wouldn't want to be relying on him in Europe. But to have him at Ibrox, 
with their team of hammer throwers that they're bringing in all their six footers. At least it's not like we're going to be having to bring in an undersized, you know, center back like uh, what was his name Shvetchenko back in the day. He was like five foot ten or something like that, or five foot nine or something. At least we've got a decent size of him there. So um, yeah, I think the pairing worked pretty well overall. Um, Welsh looked pretty comfortable over in the right center back position. Uh, Narosky looks comfortable on the left center back. So it's better. It's just a matter of us getting. Um, We've got to get to the point where we just start to get a consistent lineup across the back there, but it's a matter of getting players, getting players fit, getting players back. Like getting Alistair Johnson back fit will help. Getting, you know, Bernabe actually waking up for his alarm and coming to train and helps when he's on the bench. And then you look at it and go, well, we looks like we're like what I'm going to talk about as a next topic is um, Gustav Lagerbalker. Looks like he'll be coming in pretty pretty bloody soon. So um, you put him in there, and then that rounds you out to having, you know, some fair rotation. If you count Scales and Kobayashi, you've got six centre-backs at the club. So you've got plenty of depth there. So for me, I'm happy going with Welsh and Narosky the next week or two, but in Europe, not, not the way forward. What do you think for Europe, Willie? Yeah, I think for Europe, we really, really need to see CCV coming back. Him and Narowski would be my preferred pick to be playing in Europe. But um, as you say, the boy Lagerbielk is coming in. It'd be interested to see what he's got about him because we don't really, nobody really knows an awful lot about him. He's done very well in the Swedish leagues. He's, he's shown up well in starts and that as well over there. And we're paying well over the odds for him. So um, that'll be interesting to see. But um, my biggest concern about the defence at the moment is left back. I thought... Um, Taylor was pretty woeful against Aberdeen there at the weekend. And um, I think it's probably time for Burnaby to get a little bit of a run in the team. I'm not sure how you feel about that, Charles. Just looking at the comment here, RL77, it's time to talk about Taylor. It's like he's prompting you, Willie. Perfect segue. Thanks for that, buddy. Um, Mickey Moynihan, must we talk about him? <laughs> I just look at it and go, I think Taylor suited Ange's system as inverting better than the way Brendan uses the fullbacks. I think that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Like He's not going to cut it in Europe. And I was saying all through the offseason that, okay, he was borderline my player of the year, Taylor was last year, but for the Champions League, and I said this last season as well, we need that guy as that step up above him. Like If I look at our right-back situation – Ralston will do the job for us domestically, but Johnson has that something different about him that once he's fit, he'll do it domestically. But in Europe, I'm not worried about him being our starting right back in the slightest. It's the same with the rest of our defense, but left back, if Taylor has to start in Europe, I'm I'm worried because teams will target him like they did in Europe last year. And it's like, well, how are we going to adjust on this? That was why I was saying like, if you go and sign Geordie Boss from Melbourne City, I know he's not a well-known in Europe, but he's starting week in, week out in Belgium now, and he's like a six-foot left-back. And he's just up and down. He's just an athlete, absolute animal, like absolute thoroughbred of a player. Like maybe that's what we need. Or we need to go get uh, – there's uh, another guy, Libby Kasachi, who's a New Zealand left-back who's playing in Europe. 
these are guys we can afford and get them in and could help us in Europe the same way that Johnston is. I'm sure there's other players within Europe that I'm not aware of. I'd have to jump on a football manager and have a look or whatever or get the stats people to throw a few names at us. But, yeah, left back needs strengthening for the Champions League 100%. Yeah, without doubt. I don't think um, Taylor's good enough to be going for us to be playing in the Champions League. Um, we said it last week, I think week in, week out, even in Scotland, he's targeted teams who hunker down and shell that long ball straight on top of them and hope that he'll either knock it down into their path, their forwards path or out of play. They get a throw in and try and hit us with a long throw and to a wee set piece sort of situation like that out of it. But I am... Um, I'm getting a little bit concerned about the way he's been playing this season. It's pretty clear to see that Brendan Rodgers' style of football does not suit him at all in any way, shape or form. So I think next week it could be time to give Burnaby a little run out. Um, you've got the game against Kilmarnock next week and then another game against St. Johnson the week after that and then it's off off to Mordor for a game. So um, but hopefully they'll be looking at bringing in another option to go in there and work with them Um before the transfer window closes, but uh, we'll wait to see on that one, I'm afraid, because the transfer, the, all, all the rumours around left-back situation seem to be a little quiet at the moment. Hopefully there is a lot of work getting done in that area in the background. According to the In The No agents, we're a long way down the road with three players, three different positions. That's all the talk I'm hearing from multiple sources, not just the Twitter people, but a few other people. One of them is Lager Belki, who we'll go to and start talking about now, Willie, but apparently there's a couple others to come in. So I'm like hoping one of them's a, a keeper. Maybe that Livakovic, if he's still available, we get Lager Belki in and a left back. If we do that, it'll be like happy days. And I think us as a fan base will just go <sighs> and just relax. <laughs> relax a little bit and off we go. But talking about Lager Belki coming in for £3 million, we know Carter Vickers is hurt. We were just talking about would you go with Welsh and Narofsky next week at, at Killy? The question I've got for you, if Lagerbelki comes in and he comes in and he's training and he's ready to go, would you throw him straight in the wolves on a plastic pitch next week down in down in Ayrshire or would you um you know keep Welsh and Narocki together, Narofsky together and bring him off the bench if need be? No, nah, I'd probably I would probably go with Welsh and Narowski because they've had a couple of weeks together on the training pitch. They might have a little bit more understanding than what Narowski and Lagerbelka would get if they're just thrown in out of the cold. And that that plastic pitch, that's like playing on Lego. There's that that's a cruel, cruel way to give any player a debut. Oh, yeah. Off you go in there and have a shot on that. Like, nah. I, I just I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy if I'm honest with you. Like, um, nah. I think it'll definitely be Welsh and Narowski. For me, don't they play on plastic pitches in Scandinavia though? It'd be just like every other run of the day over there. I, I think ah. I think the plastic pitches over there might be a slightly better quality because they'll probably water them because they're not absolute. Um, I'm trying to say a nice word, a nasty word. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find a nicer sort of way to say something nasty there, but uh, they they just they don't they dry the pitches out for when Celtic Rangers come to town. There's there's no hoses going in them for about a week before the game, mate. So it's all sticky, and when the ball bounces, it bounces complete opposite way that which would on a natural surface. So yeah, I, like I say, I I just think it might be a little 
a little bit too nasty to try and throw a guy in on, on that pitch for a debut. You were talking early on, Willie, about not knowing too much about uh, Lager Belki and um, stuff like that. So I was looking at it before, and apparently he's the last 18 months, he's just gone from strength to strength in the Swedish league. He's probably, the, the they say, one of the, the best young def- defender in the league. He's been one of the better better centre-halves over there to the point that he played well in the Europa Conference League last year with Augsburg, and apparently Ajax were in looking for him. Once they got rid of Bassi there and looking at him, so we've got in early to seal the deal. So if a club like Ajax is looking to bring him down, they don't they don't go and recruit like that outside of their own academy unless they think they're getting someone special. I know that looks a bit of an oxymoron saying that because, you know, I was just talking about them, you know, selling Bassi who they got from outside of their academy, but still it's uh it's you know, he's got something about him if a club like that's looking at it. Yeah, he does, he certainly does have something about him. I mean, he was out on I think he was out on loan from Ellsburg to some lower lower team, and um, he was player of the year for them apparently. Right? And he, he put in some really impressive performances. And fifteen games into this season, he's he's already got two goals. So at six foot three, he's got the height about him, which which is something that Brendan Rodgers was looking to address. Um, we seem to be a little small. I think it was one of his original thoughts from when um, he came back in. So. That sort of fits that mould. Um, so, yeah, I, I'd be interested to see what this guy's got about him because we do have a good track record of Swedish centre defenders. Like um, We had Mialbi, we've had uh, Starfelt, we had Mistorovic, who did reasonably well up until his cheap shard. So, yeah, I'd be really interested to see what he's got about him, mate. Yeah, I think it's the old no-nonsense sort of guys you get out of the Scandinavia because even when I come in and he had his growth spurt, we signed him as a midfielder, ends up as a centre-back, and he did well for us as well. I think the only Scandinavian guy, even, what was Thomas Rogney like again? I don't remember. I remember the name. I used to love him on Football Manager, but for the life of me, I can't remember if he actually did anything decent for us at the club, but most of the other you know, Scandinavian defenders we signed tend to be do pretty well. Yeah, Thomas Rogney was quite highly thought of when he was coming through the ranks. Like he, but he, I don't think he made the breakthrough. Like he, he ended up moving on. I think he went to Barnsley or somewhere like that. Like, and he still, I think he's still knocking about that English Championship, but playing at a reasonable enough sort of level. Like, but I do know he was highly thought of. Like when they did sign him, they thought he was going to be going on to some great things. Like, just didn't materialize from him. Last I heard, he was at Sunderland. So that says it all. <laughs> but. Yeah, it's um, it'll be good to see what comes with uh Lager Belki coming in. Yeah, as you said, six foot three gives us some of that height that Brendan's after. It's highly regarded, and um, yeah, it'll be good to see what what it goes on there. I was hoping Liam would be on today, but technical difficulties, he's bowed out. So I was gonna ask him a couple of topics here, but we'll go to your thoughts instead here, Willie. What does the arrival of Gustav Lager Belki mean for Liam Scales and Yuki Kobayashi? Um, for me, I would say it's time up for Liam Scales. I think he'll be moved on, and I think Kobayashi will probably get a loan move. I'm not sure where you would put him. Would you try and put him back to the J League, or would you try and put him out to like the English Championship or a Scottish team? But um, with 
with um, Kobayashi, he's certainly a decent player. He's certainly a decent defender. He just lacks that physicality. And when things start to get physical, he just he seems to bow out quite quickly. So he needs to he needs to go away and learn the sort of the darker arts of the game. But as for Liam Scales, I think um, ah, he's a decent enough defender, but I just don't think he's quite Celtic's class. And if Aberdeen could find a half million, I think that would be a great move for him to go back up there. Like, yeah, the talk that uh, Aberdeen's coming back in for him on loan again. So once uh, Lager Belki's in the door, he's, Scales is going back on loan with an option to buy or something like that. But I said a couple of weeks ago, within the league, I wouldn't mind Scales. Like he could say where we were talking early on about earlier today about Welsh and Naroski as a back pairing. If you were to play Naroski and um, what's it called and Scales together in the back line, I wouldn't I wouldn't be too upset about it in the league, except for say maybe against a certain mob over at Ibrox. But you know, like if he goes back on loan up there, it's great. I was thinking, um, you go Andrew Galea in the comments here saying Hibs need a centre half. I was thinking, you know, where would you send Kobayashi out on loan? That could actually be a winner because he'd still, you know, a couple of how far is it from Glasgow to Edinburgh? About an hour or so away. It's not far down the road, so it could still work there. Um, I actually think Kobayashi will be sold and Scales will go on loan, Willie. That's my thoughts. But I was talking to one of my mates who's a Millwall fan yesterday, and I was like, he was saying, oh, they, they need a centre back. And in my mind, I'm thinking, take Kobayashi. That'll, that'll toughen him up. If he goes down to Millwall and he survives that, he'll be able to handle himself in Scotland. So I think realistically, more than likely, scales and loan, Kobayashi will get sold and then we might even potentially bring in uh, the Xavier, whatever his last name is, Mumbamya or whatever it is from Valen, where we've been linked with all off-season from Volenden or something if he's still available. Yeah, I think it's Xavier Mbayamba. Um he's he's another one who's in the six foot four category. He's young enough, he's two footed, certainly fit the mould of what we're looking for in the player trading model going forward. Like you get the you get the sort of vibe of Virgil van Dijk off him when you look at him in the pictures and stuff like that. So um yeah, there's there's certainly like I think Brendan said it himself, he, he he's not committed to the Lager Bielka one. He said there are other irons in the fire, but it's certainly looking like Lager Bielka will come in, but Who's to say they won't take another guy in there too, just to keep everyone on their toes? Because the one thing you do need at a club of Celtic size is competition for places. Like just having two first team starters and then a couple of guys behind them who are, aren't going to challenge for the first team doesn't really make much sense to me. Like, yeah, I'd have to agree there. So Mickey Moynihan in the comments, what about the Austrian team we're linked with for a Kobe loan? Hadn't even thought of that. That's actually a good shout. A fair shout at all. Andrew Galea, Kobayashi might turn to Kevin Musket at Millwall. Um, okay, <laughs> I hope not. And then Andrew Reid, Rogers made Boyata look decent. Um, yeah, Boyata. Don't bring back those memories. Him in Europe, please, no. Don't remind us. So off the back of that there, Willie, we've got... um. Boson Lawwell is off to uh, Fleetwood Town on loan for the upcoming season. What's your thoughts on this loan move? For me, I think it'll be good for him to get down there and progress under Bruni for a season, but 
what's your thoughts on that? No, I, I think that's a, a very, very good move for Bolson Noel. Um, he's he's certainly a decent player. Well, I seen him when he came on. He got a, he got a good run out here down and down and down under, right? And um, he looks comfortable on the ball. He's big. He's physical. He's imposing. So. Um, He's he's turning in really really good performances for the B team, but he's playing in that lowland league, and that's he, all you learn down there is how to run away from a clogger. You know, what I mean, it, it's not a great level of football at all. So for him to go down to Fleetwood Town, it, it's the next step for him in his career, and I really hope this move works out for him, and I hope Bruni takes him under his wing and sort of gives him the lessons he needs to learn to come back up to us to really challenge for a first team place with us, because I do think he's one that we could really really make the mark as. When he he's ready to do it, like the other thing as well, Willie is he he ticks enough boxes now to I think classify as association trained or one of our club trained guys for Europe, and he's got the height, he's got the size. It's just getting the the you know the dark arts under his sleeve and get everything all sorted out and all that sort of stuff. So getting down there, season playing in England, first team football. I think it's a good move for the kid and you know he gets a development and Bruni teaches him a thing or two and then gets him back up the road next season realistically with all the talk here early on about scales potentially being off and uh so scales goes Kobayashi goes you've got Carter Vickers you've got Narosky you've got Lagerbelki you've got Welsh at the moment you bring him back as your fifth center back I'd be happy with that like it's a pathway Go from the B team down to Bruni, up into the be that that kid on the bench developing, coming through the the role that Welsh is playing. So, I wouldn't complain with that pathway. That's at least it's a plan forward. So, yeah, it'll be um it'll be interesting to see how that progress how he progresses this season. I normally don't pay too much attention to our guys on loan, but I'll be keeping an eye on Fleetwood a little bit here and there because they've also got uh, Montgomery, I think. Yeah, I did. I did see that Montgomery's gone away down there too on loan. So um, Scott Brown's using the old connections to bring them up. But there's also the the Austrian team as well. It'd be worth keeping an eye on. There's a few. I think there's three boys going over there. Joey Dawson, um, the goalkeeper. I can't remember his name. Name's Gaming. Yeah, Olawaleemi, and, and I think there's another guy gone over there. So it, it's interesting to see the sort of pathways Celtic are looking at because. It's become pretty abundant that this high, this lowland league isn't isn't cutting the mustard. And if you look at teams like from Portugal and Spain and other countries, I mean they they all have B teams that are allowed to play up until like the second division or the first. I think Portugal are in the first division and that's their glass ceiling. They're not allowed to go any higher, and that's great pathways for them. But with us here in Scotland, we've got this um, close shot where the the league, all the teams in the league, like to keep their status to themselves and they don't like any sort of change. Change is bad as far as they go, but um, yeah, good luck to the boys that are out on loan. It's their chance. I mean, they will be watched by the scouts and that. So, and if they start turning in really good performance, Brendan Rogers might take a wee flight down to Fleetwood or a flight over to Belgium, uh, Austria. Sorry to have a little look at them, see how they're getting on in person. And good luck to them, as I say. Yep, yeah, I think that's a good good pathway at the end of the day, there, Willie. So, um, I'm just trying to bring something up quickly on my phone because I'm just looking I'm keeping an eye out in case they announce Lager Belki when the co- while we're while we're live here. But just wanted to bring up another thing that was saying a lot of talk about on Twitter and on um 
the Facebook groups and that sort of stuff. But Rhea Hattade to Brighton rumours have come back again. So I was going to ask Liam what's been reported in Japan on this, but at the end of the day, do you think there's anything in it, Willie, about, um, you know, Hattade potentially going down there? Because I look at it and go, Brighton's just sold Moises Casado for £115 million to Chelsea. They're after a midfielder. Matoma's one of Hattade's best mates, and there's been rumours of them looking at him for ages, and Deserbi has said that he does rate the player. So do you think that's a possible thing that we're going to have to tolerate in the media in particular, all the red tops just trying to like talk a sale into happening? What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think like we all know Rio Hattati is going to go for big money one day, and um, if the Casado guy deal goes through to Chelsea, Chelsea, Liverpool, I don't know which way it's going to go. Um, then there's a big hole in Brighton's midfield, and they they have fancied him, then they've been watching him. So um, it would be foolish or naive even to think that they won't come knocking and see what sort of bid, what sort of price we'll put on his head to see if he can go or not. Like. I know he's picked up a little bit of a calf strain at the weekend. There's a lot of body language experts out, out there now telling us that his head's gone and he's not in it anymore. But I do. I would like to think he's around for the rest of the season because he is pivotal to us. And as we're, we talk about the European games that are going to come up, I, I think we really, really need someone of his quality in that number 10 role just to make sure that um, we, we're we getting the sort of attacking outlet, out balls that we need. Because I don't think Turnbull will be the, the answer when we go into Europe. I would be a bit, I would fearful. Be a bit fearful. Um, Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'd look at it and go, if he was to leave, you know we're going to get a fair chunk of change. I'd be asking for more than the Tierney and Jota money for him, especially when you know that the way teams, when we go to try and buy a player in Scotland, they know we're cashed up and they put that Celtic surcharge on. We should be going, if we're going to sell Hattade down there, whether it's to, I've got a comment here, so Brighton will be in for him, Robert Gibson, and Hattade misses his uncle Ange. So whichever one of those teams, whether it's Brighton or Spurs, if they come in for him, we've got to put, a, put the EPL tax on top of it and also know that these guys have a whole bunch of cash burning a hole in their pocket. So the way everyone in Scotland you know, tries to rip us, we've got to rip them. If they want him, thirty million is the absolute floor. Turnbull will not be the the answer for Hatate if he moves on. Long term, I agree with Michael Ross. Odin is the answer in terms of that position, the way he plays. But if Hatate was to move on, I would love us to just go out there, smash the Scottish transfer record. I know Roger said it won't happen, but. Who was that guy at Young Boys we've been linked with all off-season? The central midfielder? Uh, the boy Fabian Ryder. Yeah, he, he's, I think, 15 million for him. 21-year-old, two-footed central midfielder. Like he, I'm not, I, I've watched a few videos on YouTube. I'm not one for basing my judgment on, on that. A wee highlights reel, but some of the balls you see on that highlights reel, they plays in. Kyogo would just relish on that style of play. Like So... It, if Atati does go, like you say, 30 million, 15 million in for, for Ryder, then you're 15 million up on the whole deal. So it would make sense and that 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 sort of that sort of side of it. But um unless you're going to get somebody of that quality in, then 
selling Hatati and not getting the quality in might be very, very detrimental going forward. And that's the business model, Willie. You know, you get a guy in, you spend, what, one and a half million on him, you sell him for heaps for 30, you then go and spend 15 on Ryder, get him in. Now, having Odin playing behind him is like to push him for a role knowing that in a couple of years' time you'll be selling 18 months, two years tops with Ryder, and then you'll be selling him for even bigger cash again. And then Odin becomes that next guy stepping in to be the main man. And then in a couple of years after that, you're selling him for big money, and the next guy comes through. That's the production line we've been talking about. And I think that's the best way to do it. If we were to, as you're saying, the way those balls that Ryder plays, Kyogo would have a field day on him, 100%. I think he's more a Rogers type of midfielder. So it's completely different horses for courses sort of thing. If it's a guy in the middle of the park, than it is if it's a winger, like we were talking about 25 million for Chota, but then, you know, we've only brought in Yang and Tilio for, you put that together. What's that like three and a half, four million pound. And so people think we've downgraded there, but we've got two great prospects coming up. So it's a matter of we're not going to go and spend crazy money on a on a winger, but you could even get the money. You get the 15, oh, you get 20, 30 million coming in. You spend 15 on Ryder. If you wanted to go get Tete as a winger who's free, if he's still available, you bring him in and it's just wages because he's on a free. And then suddenly next thing you know, you've reinvested that and you've got two quality players. Plus you've got their, their next guys coming in behind them off the bench. Yeah. With Yang and um, Yang and Tilly, and Tilio and um, coming in behind Tete on the wing, and then you've got Home coming in behind Ryder. There, you're setting yourselves up for the next four or five years. But as Robert Gibson says, Chairman Peter L. McScrooge only deals in pennies, no pounds. So I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah, you can certainly see that that sort of model starting to sort of come to fruition. I mean, we sold Jota for twenty five million, and Abada is now stepping up to the plate where Jota's left, the, the void that Jota has left. And I think it might work out well for Brendan Rodgers because we know Brendan Rodgers likes his wingers to be a bit more direct and um, fast paced. He Scott Sinclair back in the day. You now got for um, Dyson Maeda and Abada. We've got we have got a lot of pace in the wings, so. Yeah, and then you, you take in the likes of Young. Like Young, really nice, really good at the the weekend. He came in, he's got some nice touches. He had a bit of determination. He showed that when he, he got to the byline and got the ball cut across for um, O'Reilly's goal. So I think we're all right. I think the model is is starting to sort of take shape. And like you say, if Hatati goes for 30 million and, and you can spend half that money, reinvest half that money on one more player to come in to complement the score, then... It's only ever going to get better, and then as like again, as you say, you can make that incremental increase in your spending as season season in season out. So, I think I think we are on the right track with the player trading model, although it might be getting a little bit antsy as towards when these signings are going to come in or not. Like so, hopefully it'll be pretty soon. Hundred percent, Willie. Get it done, Celtic. Get it done. So, last thing for the pod. Danny, it looks like it's going to be a short one because I, you know, didn't put as much on the run sheet because I thought Liam would go on a few tangents tonight with me about, you know, what's being reported in Japan for Hatade and 
about the Kobayashi thing, so I factored in an extra five minutes for each of them for Liam's rants that we get on the pot noodle. Everyone looks forward to him. When he hears his back, he'll, he'll have a bit of a chuckle about it. So we're running a little ahead of schedule here, but all good. But I've got a question for you. Did you see the post from Odin Home today on his Instagram after the game? No, I, I actually removed myself from Instagram a few months ago because I just never use it. Like I, I only ever used to use it when I got banned from Facebook for chatting with people. So now I've now just decided I don't need Instagram anymore. So I haven't seen it, but I have seen on, on um, Twitter a few people having a go at him for, for um, being the new Cantwell, as it says. But I also find it funny that people are having a go at someone on social media for using social media. <laughs> I also find that a little bit funny too. Like, Well, here's the actual post for those who haven't seen it. So it's not, it, I, I laughed when I saw this because I'm like, it's perfect. Like the words there, bitch be humble, sit down. Now it's perfect because of the guy behind him, you know, had done a bit of pushing and shoving and was a bit all over the place earlier in the game. But also the words there, like people think he's telling him to sit down and, you know, call him a bitch and stuff like that. It's lyrics to a song at the end of the day. That's all it is. It's, I don't necessarily agree with, you know, putting it on blast, but if like, you know, they all talk is you should respect your opponent and all this sort of stuff. I grew up playing basketball. I love trash talk. It's just part of it. All I have to say, I don't personally don't have a problem with it. Some people say it's classless. Some play, people will say it's it's tacky, whatever. It's not the Celtic way. But then those same people love Zlatan. Those same people absolutely pile onto Cantwell for being TikTok Todd and – I think Cantwell is an absolute, absolute knob. I can't stand him, the stuff he does. But I honestly look at this and go, I don't see what Odin did as a massive issue because this guy was on the ground in the background of a picture and he put words from a Kendrick song. Clearly he likes the, the musician. So I don't have a problem with it. What's your thoughts now you've seen it, Willie? I think it's quite good. It's kind of like the old WWF wrestling when they just, just throw out that comment straight away and the fans are like, ah, cheering them on and that. Like, I think it's quite good. And it's not like he's put on a black and white filter with eyelash filters, filters on it too, like just to try and make everything look all pretty and that. Like. So, nah, fair, fair play to him, mate. He's, he's done all right there. Like, I don't see any problem with it at all. None. Well, there you have it. The view on that from Solid Down Under is more of it now i don't expect everyone like to be like oh you win a treble now it means you can just call everyone you want a bitch or whatever it's like you know if you're gonna have banter that's the way i see it make it good banter don't make it be you're on tiktok dancing with you know can't well if you're gonna do that prepare to cop it you're gonna do that you win a game you get a picture song lyrics it's social media. It's not real. As Michael McDonald has just said here, oh, I 100% agree. Some people take it too serious. The people, a couple of people I know who have cut up rough on it, the only nice way I can refer to them is some Celtic Dars who 
take social media a little bit too serious for my liking, but everyone's entitled to their opinion on whether they like it or don't like it. Just because I like it doesn't mean, you know, any other people on this pod don't have like have to like it too. They're entitled to their opinion. I just think it's some good banter at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no harm in a little bit of banter here and there, as long as you're not going too too nasty and delving too deep into sort of situations that you shouldn't like. But I don't see any problem with it, none whatsoever. Like, I'd like to see a bit more of that, to be honest, like because it, it it makes for a good viewing. We all complain, in particular, we all complain because players give very robotic interviews and they're all media trained and monotone like this in press conferences show some personality i love this that's that's the best part of it for me so yeah at the end of the day i'm i'm good with it willie's good with it each make your own decision but the comment section here looks pretty good with it too red scotland agree with you i'd knee high camp well if i was ever lucky enough to get one minute on the pitch with him Hundred percent, hundred percent, mate. It's the best. Good call of the day. So, what we'll do, Willie? We'll wrap up the pod as usual with a final thought. So, you got one ready, or do you want me to go first? Nah, my final thought is, plumbers. If you dig through electric cables, you should be made to touch them and see if they're still alive or dead. Fair call. And my call, my one's pretty simple. Um, all I want to do is just give a shout out to my wife. Uh, absolute legend. That's all I'm going to say. Not kissing your ass or anything. She's just an absolute legend. So I'll just give her a shout out for once on the pod. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. Appreciate it. We'll be back this time next th- on Thursday. Until then, hail, hail. Podcast Network.